and they know what time we're starting. Well, he said he had it all in hand. Okay, I'll just move the... That'll be it now. Right. Hello. 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 We're the silly telegram and we've just heard that your pod features boozing and some naughty words. We bring this warning in the form of song. You can think of it as small print for an audio medium. Hum. Did producer Ken order this? Yes, he did. So you've been paid? Yes. Good. Tonight, on the best Robbie podcast you've ever heard. I love Lionel Blurter bits. But he's shit at this. He's, oh, a, yeah. he's a dancer. You're wrong. He's an You're entertainer. Wrong. He's wrong. a performer wrong. with a capital wrong. fucking a thousand P. Times but he's fucking not wrong. a fucking wrong. presenter. Wrong, 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 <laughs> wrong, and wrong, and wrong oh, again. Man. Exit, stage left. Hello and welcome to this, the final episode, this series of the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. I'm Dr Velvet. I'm Blackout. And we're here to view things, judge things and drink things. It's as simple as that. It really is. And to help us along, we once again have the honour of playing host to Mr Ozzy Bognops. Gentlemen, it's a delight to see you again. Great to see you. Thank you for having me. Likewise, likewise. Absolutely it is. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. It's fantastic to be here again. I hope you're Quite enjoying right. this choreographed bow that I'm doing for you, um, <laughs> just to uh, set things, settle things down. I'm loving it. Well, thank you for presenting yourself. And yes, dear listener, hello to you and you and you, and thanks for calling by for our casual cultural critique of vintage television, where Britain's best love battle axe is never far from our minds, because here, as you well know, all roads lead to the mountain. If you head over to PeggyMountPod.com, info for the episodes that we're discussing is in the show notes. You can find us on the socials, get in touch to say hello, or ask us why we still haven't covered your favourite programme yet. And before we wake up with a chronic hangover, belt the floor and yell, Where's me breakfast? <laughs> I've got to ask, gentlemen, what are you drinking? Well, I'm still on my retro roll uh, with, with the real ales. Um, right. and I'm Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this drink that I have here is known in my local pub. After I created it. Hello, everyone in the butcher's legs, by the way. I created this one summer afternoon many moons ago. So it's half of Marston's Cockerhoop Ale mm-hmm. and half of Jennings Snacklifter. I christened this the Cocklifter. <laughs> Cheers, gentlemen. <laughs> Cheers. Your health. You're disgustingly good health. Amazing. Uh, yourself, Mr. Bognops? Port. You know? That's why we ask him round. Here we go. And I today have a bottle of Old Tarbuck's Knacker Boiler. There you go. <laughs> Brilliant. <clears throat> Brilliant. You know what they say about that? Winner takes all. Uh, absolutely. I'm voting 10 to 1, Jeffrey. And Mr Blackout. I've got a bottle of Village Idiot by the Whitehorse Brewery in Oxfordshire. I've been to Oxford. That's what it is, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your little tour around the uh, British Isles. Yeah. yeah. Via the distilleries and the breweries. Cannot be bad. Best way to go. And on to the penultimate episode of this series. Okay. They do say, listener, there's good stuff in little bundles. But can that be applied to television formats? 
you'd need to include great characters, an engaging plot, an immersive world, and of course a banging theme tune. Add to that the task of perfect casting, and this short film becomes a tall order. Can it be done? Somewhere in the dark and nasty regions where nobody goes stands an ancient castle. Deep within this dank and uninviting place lives Burke. Hello! <laughs> the Trapdoor was a series of stop animated shorts voiced by Willie Rushton, created by Charlie Mills and Terry Brin for Children's ITV, which started in 1986 and ran for 40 episodes over two series. The story revolves around Burke, a blue plasticine creature living in the lower regions of a malevolent old castle with his companions Boney and Drutt, where they go through a series of scrapes and adventures in trying to serve their master, The Thing Upstairs. We've watched the first episode, Breakfast Time, originally aired on the 6th of October 1986 at 10 past 4, where the castle's overlord is both peckish and demanding. When I saw it was called Breakfast Time, I wondered if it was going to have Frank Boff and Selena Scott in it, and in a funny sort of way, it did. Agreed. Something at this point, I just love the fact that they've snuck in, and maybe this is Rushton himself, um, they've snuck in a couple of rude words. I absolutely loved at the time that there was a character called Drutt. I loved that. That was mm-hmm. one for us, mm-hmm. you know. And Burke was one for the adults, because, of course, yeah, Barclay Hunt. Exactly. Um, Boney, well, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But um, <laughs> I just think it's top draw heritage swearing. It's fantastic. Yeah, it is. I remember seeing this back in the day. I remember seeing the first ever episode. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it was on every day, wasn't it? If you uh, mm-hmm. cast your mind back. It was, a little, it was nice and short, and it was on every day. 50 seconds. 50 seconds of preamble and sig tune, which is the same yeah. every episode. Cracking theme tune. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 20 yeah. seconds of it at the end. So that's a minute and 10 seconds of a five-minute cartoon that is yes. theme tune. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> when it's this good, I don't think it matters. But I, I know what you mean. It feels like very lengthy pattern almost. But Yeah, kind of. The theme tune itself, the full version, uh, oh, dear. Uh, it, it, it's very much less is more, okay? Um, mm-hmm. So if you've, ever, if you've ever heard the full theme tune, yeah, let's just keep it as it is on broadcast, quite frankly. But this blew my mind. Yeah, I used to watch aired. this, but I was never like really a scholar of it, if that makes sense. Okay. All um, right. Again, to like follow on the the theme of almost everything we do these days, I did used to have the game of this for the Amstrad. I had both. Yeah, I have this for the Spectrum. Yeah, yeah. The game wasn't as satisfying as I wanted it to be. So you know, it's one of those ones where I play the first couple of levels. I'm like, I'm not coming back to that. The animation. It was a massive Shit. disappointment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, there was um, there was the trap door, and then through the trap door, which was the, the sequel right. to it. Yeah, okay. and um, yeah, both were an equal disappointment. Yeah, but generally speaking, I enjoyed it. Certainly enjoyed it back in the day. Um, and I'm looking at it now, and I fucking love the look of this show. Yeah. I understand. You've got these I, I, painted three-dimensional backgrounds for the sets and these hand-moulded characters and props. It's all in stop motion, but it's yep. really fluid and fast-paced. Yep. Usually people tend to make things slow when they're doing this, and this is like, no, 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 boom, 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 keep it moving. Yeah. The expression in mm-hmm. the animation is absolutely perfect. Yeah, detail, and fully detail as well. And, of course, it's complimented by Rushton doing the vast majority of the voices and a shitload of comic sound effects. What is not to love about this? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. 
Drut moves in farts. That's the thing. That's what made it for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. My, Loved it. My favourite character was Borny. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. Which was, which was Rushton's impersonation of former Prime Minister Harold Macmillan? I wonder. Uh, yeah. You just you, you have to wonder a little, don't you? There we but, go, there um, we go. I think something's coming out of the trap door. He's just brilliant. And yeah. because of that, actually, I imagine for the rest of my life, it's still to this day, that all skeletons from TV and films speak like that. Yes. <laughs> well, he's not a million miles away from the, uh, from the Scotch VHS skeleton, is he? True enough. You know, you, you'd, imagine, you'd imagine they'd be good mates. Yeah. Sure, sure, but you've come up covered in shit again. Uh, limited merch on this. Yeah, we um, yeah we had the computer games. I had the pens. There was a stationary set come out, and nice. they came out singularly, and they were barrel markers, essentially, is what they were. <gasps> there was a and scrapbook as well, if I remember rightly, or a notebook, quite, certainly. Quite possibly, quite possibly. But three barrel markers, one of Boney, one of Drutt, one of Burke. I'm just going to call it, this is the best possible merch for this series. This is amazing. I have them all still, and I'm going to take a photograph of them. Oh, and I'm please going to put do. It up on the Twitter. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm going to do. So we're here in this first episode. The thing upstairs wants breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, Burke prepares it, but inadvisedly opens the trap door, which yeah. you know obviously happens every week. That's the point of it. Mm. Um, a yellow creature comes out, eats the breakfast. A red creature comes out, gets terrified by its own reflection, goes yep. back down the trap door. Then Burke feeds the yellow creature to his master. Nice bit of dark humour there. That's it, though. That, that's that. Because the only downside of this is that by the time you take off the titles and the credits, each episode is only three and a half minutes long, so fuck all happens. Yeah. How many episodes were there in the series? Uh, Forty. That yeah. tells you all you need to know. But you know, Right, lads, that... two hours of animation. I want it tomorrow. Yeah, you know. Did you ever see the episode with Rog in it? Rog was a was a, a creature from the trapdoor with a voice. Right. Hello, Boney. Hello, Burke. And Rog are featured in quite a few of them. Fans quite liked Rog. It's and a there's a beautiful scene at the end of one of the uh, episodes where Rog and Burke are sat on the top of the castle and watching the sunset and um, talking about friendship. And it's lovely. Mm-hmm. They put mm-hmm. a lot into this programme. Yeah, not enough happens, but I've no doubt it appealed to kids of quite a large age span because it was both horrible and funny and quite mischievous, and I like that. Well, by the time you fast-forward to the mid-'90s, my young nephew, who is now obviously lying in his mid-'20s, um, he liked this as a kid, and that's not, you know, well after the point where it was on ITV every day. It's doing the satellite channels by that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, again, there's something accessible about it whereby it doesn't age. It's just stop animation. It's... Amazing, yeah. Everyone can get into this at any point. It's not going to come and go with fashion. It is what it is. It was made for the the moment and was yet somehow timeless. Yeah. God, that's deep. Anyway, there we go. More port, more port. I don't think there's anything left to say on this. I agree. One of the shortest programmes we've ever reviewed and one of the shortest reviews we've ever done. But, gentlemen, your pegs. Blackout. How many pegs would you stick upon the trapdoor itself? Whilst not opening it, of course. Obviously. The trapdoor is amazingly executed. Even a whole bunch of short episodes can't compensate for not being able to get properly started within its own runtime, though. That said, as a short form schedule filler, this is pretty sublime. Eight pegs. Oh, okay. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Bognobs? Six for me. Love Rushton. 
Um, love the loose animation. Love all the mischievous little sort of things buried in there um, mm-hmm. for to, to appeal to all kids and some adults, I'm sure. Um, I just wished it was a tiny little bit longer, but I understand its um, necessity to have you know, a short call per every episode, so six pegs for me. Okay. How about yourself, Doctor? Well... I, too, wished it could have been a little bit longer, but that appeals to me because it just makes me want more, so I right. just get to see more of it. Uh, nine pegs. This is everything. Ha, there we Fair. go. And expected. Another nine? Splendid work. But the question. Written on the underside of the titular wooden flap, hidden from our vision is, how many pulls on the handle of the dumb waiter will it take you to yodel up the mountain? Aussie Bognops. I am going to pull the titular wooden flap three times. Sir William of Rushton Abbey rocked up in 1972's The Adventures of Barry Mackenzie. Next to... Peter Cook, who headlined a retelling of The Hound of the Baskervilles, which starred... Hugh Griffith who donned a gown as the magistrate in Oliver, not so very far from Peggy Mount. I sent Katie up to lie down. She was wearing me out. Very good. Very good. Superb. Ah, Dr Mm. Velvet, how many steps would it take you? Do you know, I can do it in two. Wilberforce of Rushbury upon Thames appeared in 1977's Adventures of a Private Eye, as well as Irene Handel, who spilled the beans in the This Is Your Life episode for Pat Coombs, along with. Ugh, Peggy Mount. She will be shivering, then I pinned it to her jumper. <laughs> Brilliant work, sir. Brilliant work. Strong. Yourself, Blackout, though. Well. Wilburidge of Royal Rushfordshire starred in the Decorators Limited episode of The Chiffy Kids, of course, with... Peggy Moon! Sissy! One! Writing! No messing about! Get that there right in are. there and Boom. plug it up quickly. Competition time. This is your penultimate question. Get your quiz sheets ready. Because the ordeal is nearly over. Almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost. All right, here is your question. In the episode of The Trapdoor, how many colours are on the wall in Burke's basement? That's your question. That's your question. There we go. You can't enter, lads. You can't enter. Just relax. No, no. It's fine. It's fine. Chill and placate yourself with the things. And welcome to Jimmy, the spectacular new electronic football game from Waddington's. Jimmy gives you all the tension and the skill of real-life football at the press of a button. 
and here's a good attack down the left. A dangerous cross, a long shot. Oh, good effort. Wait, there's a penalty. Will they score? Yes, it's a goal. You can even play, Jimmy, by yourself. The computer is your opponent. So now, match of the day can be every day with Jimmy Electronic Football. My mum always gets the cabbage fingers out when it's birthday news. There's been a lot of birthdays lately. Yesterday was Napoleon's birthday. Before that was Albie and Arthur's birthdays. Even the 5th Battalion have had birthdays lately. The whole lot of them. But today is Harry the Spider's coming out party. Cadbury's chocolate fingers. When you fancy mm. a special occasion. I once a holy, holy cutie. the last things of the series i always mourn it when it's the last things of the series it's like i'm never going to see an advert again but well i wish i was never going to hear a phone again that phone sorry every week that, sorry Aussie. every uh-huh. fucking week can mate <sighs> hello this is arthur clark this is my own favorite personal ufo <laughs> i mean do you know you know yeah is that meant to be call screening or call screaming? Uh-huh. I'll be the latter. Right. This continues. OK. Uh-huh. Anyway, let's move on to our final programme this series. Music. Glamour. Tension. And Lionel Blair! Come on! Ladies and gentlemen, name that tune! In that tune was the legendary Thames television light entertainment game show ported over from a US format in the 1950s and morphing over several regional stations and decades until its optimum format began on ITV in 1976 and ran on the station until 88. A pair of contestants are pitted against one another whereby they have to identify popular songs and melodies from the fewest possible number of starting notes for a range of cash and prizes. We've watched a 1984 episode from the Lionel Blair years in which he's joined by Alan Braden and his orchestra, vocal quartet Kaluki, pianist Ronnie Price and singer Maggie Moon. And a sig tune that screams, fucking sit down and watch. Absolutely this. That, but it is the most mind-blowing introduction to a show, Mike. It is, it is, it is. We were talking about signature tunes earlier on and, you know, how they can drown a show. Well, firstly, Mm. I was just getting a bit frustrated and annoyed with how many shots of that fucking pink stage there was going to (laughs) be. But what got me was that the fact that the introduction went on and on and on. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. There's so much, yeah. 
Absolutely. On top of that, the only other thing you can do is go, can we have all of the titles in neon, please? Because it's 1984. <laughs> In yep. neon and moving, because yes. it's 1984 yes. <laughs> and Paul Daniels isn't involved. Yep. This is like getting the K's catalogue, the Christmas edition, because you know it's page after page of toys and goodies. That's what it's like Absolutely. switching this on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Absolutely. Total glamour for a Monday night. Introduces uh, the prizes, first of all. I'll tell you now, I wouldn't put my coat on for that Iowa Walkman with speakers. Just saying. <laughs> Which they weren't allowed to call a Walkman, tastefully done, whoever wrote the script. That's fine. That's, That's fine. Right. You know, it hasn't got the word Walkman on it. Yes, it's a personal cassette. Mind you, it's a personal cassette recorder. It's not a player, it's a recorder. It's also worth noting that it doesn't have the orange pads on the earphones. I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Is this even the 1980s? Lads! Fucking hell. (laughs) I wonder. And then we get a little rundown of uh, who's going to bring us this spectacular show. Uh, Maggie Moon is the first. Now, is Maggie from space? Because what an outfit. (laughs) It appears to be a green lampshade. Well, Maggie is cosplaying a character from Buck Rogers in the 25th (laughs) century. (laughs) Yep. So that's fine, yeah. And then we get Kaluki. The what? Yeah, and the fact that they come on and they are so... You forget them as you watch them, so Uh they have to do a choreographed (laughs) bow and then a bit of step dig just to make it look like, you know, we're not dressed for a funeral, we are actually meant to be here. One... one. I actually love that bit of choreography at the very end of just... Yeah, the little wave and step dig, step dig. It's not a problem. One thing I wanted to say, Doctor, is Maggie Moon wearing normal clothes for a change. Um... Because normally she wears stuff that's got loads of cutouts so you could see her lovely Nanjina tan. Right. Um, it's just now she's all of a sudden wearing a top and trousers. So clearly they'd run out of inspiration by this point. Goodness I'm knows I'm fascinated why. by your use of the words normal clothes when referring to that outfit she's wearing there. I will find a photograph and I will post it in the show notes of what she normally wore. Do you live in the same city as the Jetsons? <laughs> Dr Velvet, you do know that when Ozzy's not here, if you ever see him like, outside of the studio, he's wearing silver trousers. You know this, right? Yes, yeah. you're well true. Yes, tight I have sil- seen that Tight myself. silver satin trousers, you know. Yes, yes, I've seen you in Walter Wilson's. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. I actually have. <laughs> you know, and a vest, always a vest. Uh, anyway, I digress. We move on to a key person oh, from this production. A hero and of mine. It, it looks like the man has dropped acid and he's in Ibiza live. It's Alan Braden who is having the time of his life Indeed. as the, the, the leader of this orchestra. Uh-huh. My God. With a tasteful burgundy jacket and a Monday night grey tie, mind. I mean, that's... <laughs> and the holding music, I just want that on a loop. I want that to basically be the soundtrack to my day every day. Tell it me about that. Like yes. C suspended seven, then it goes up to E flat suspended seven, then it comes back down to C seven, and it goes back up to E flat seven, and essentially by this point this your is mind is Swarfiga. Yeah. But I mean, you know, all of this <laughs> and Alan's having the time of his life, and let's face it, Alan had three big briefs on his plate at Thames Television. Name that tune. Sooty Mike Yarwood. I nearly fucking forgot the last one. <laughs> yeah. Mike Yarwood. Mike Yarwood. I mean, so there you go. He is essentially light entertainment, glamour conductor. He kind of sure. inherited the mantle from Ronnie Aldrich, who had done a lot of the shows, the lot of hack work during the 70s uh, on these light end shows. But Alan's quality of writing is really good. Love it. But of course, even Alan's tasteful jacket and Maggie's normal-ish clothes and the step dig of the funeral directors pales into insignificance 
once the contestants stomp onto that little stage. Yes. And we start Boom. with Jean Sand. Jean who fancies herself as the Lucille Ball of Salford. Well, this is the thing, mind. Jean from Salford, whose ambition, and I'm, I'm quoting directly from what, what they say on the programme, whose ambition it is to travel by cable car in San Francisco. Is that mm-hmm. really an ambition? Well, it might, it might be vaguely Salford. on kind of like the second page of your bucket list. Maybe, though, they haven't read the full thing out. Maybe the last bit of it says, on fire whilst drinking tequila. <laughs> well, I'm thinking, if her ambition is to be like Jeff Capes and have a harness on and to be put on a cable car up the fucking hill in San Francisco, boom, yeah, that's right. an ambition, no. Gene. Aspire I prefer to that. the doctors because I think also on fire wearing Maggie Moon's top. Now, coincidentally, or is it, Peter, her opponent, his ambition is to travel to America. Peter, it's not an ambition. Just book the ticket. This yeah, is the thing, mate. But don't you this notice the American thing and what happens a little bit later on, which I'll come to? The love oh, story I begins. I fucking the love The love story that begins. carefully matched these two contestants where the prize on the show is not going to America. Fuck that blackout. It's Tinder with fucking music, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Tinder presented by Lionel Blair. I'm in. I'm fucking in. (laughs) Which is probably, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, And uh, speaking of Lionel Blair, who enters the stage like a bot. I mean, I love him, but his stance and the way he comes on stage, the man's a dancer. There's no grace to his appearance on that stage whatsoever. But never mind, it takes nothing away from his beautiful diggy bow tie. Indeed. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. The Buffon Energy Powerhouse that is the Lionel Blair appears in in a a fake grey tweed jacket uh, with a bow tie that does not match anything in anybody's wardrobe that you're going to see for the next 25 minutes. Now, that's right. Here we hit the first hurdle. I love Lionel Blurter bits, mm-hmm. but he's shit at this. He's, oh, a, yeah. he's oh. a dancer. You're wrong. He's an you're entertainer. Wrong. He's wrong. a performer wrong. with a capital wrong. fucking a thousand P. Times but he's fucking not wrong. A wrong. Fucking wrong. Presenter. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. Wrong. And wrong. And wrong oh, again. Man. He's bringing too much enthusiasm. Like he's here as a competition winner. He's over explaining the rules. He's taking wrong. massive unedited gulps of air between sentences that he still needs to read from a fucking auto cue. He's got to spin the wheel himself. This is a shambles. <laughs> no, now, no, no, no. T- Tom O'Connor had to spin the wheel himself. It's part of the game. Oh, this is what oh. I was coming on to, Doctor. Now, I watched Name That Tune when it was part two of London Night Out that used to be on Thames right. in the mid to late 70s. And yep. I used to love it because it started not with an in- uh, not with a voiceover, but with Alan Braden going, a one, two, a one, two, three, four, and then they'd play da 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 They'd play the theme, the little sort of sting, and Tom would come on with his thumbs in his waistcoat, and he'd... Now, he was shit. He, he was really <laughs> poor at it. I did not think he was very good at it at all. I think Lionel Blair is... To quote, to quote from you, Bognops. Aye. Wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. So it's like that, is a gentleman. Okay. Tom O'Connor was bloody Can brilliant. You feel was the tension uh, in this final episode. It's beautiful. But he wasn't very. He was a very, very good comedian, and he was a very good game show host. But this one—that's the Tom O'Connor just, police coming for you. It's like the there Tom O'Connor go. police. <laughs> Tell you now. I need to reiterate. No. I fucking worship 
at the altar of Lionel Blair. I don't think he's right for this. That's all I'm saying. He's all over the place. He's dreadful. The reason I disagree with how uh, much uh, praise you level on Mr Lionel Blair and how much denigration you have for how poor he is at this, <laughs> let's contextualise the fact that this is now not part of a game of a variety show. Yeah, It's yeah. a game show in itself. It is. It's being compacted and it's on a Monday night at about 7 o'clock, I think, just before Coronation Street. So, it was 7, yeah. Yeah, so it became a rather downplayed show. So Lionel Blair was the perfect host to take the variety sting out of it. Uh, and just, but, and also because he had entertainment chops, there's a singer and a dancer and a choreographer. So and... your justification is, it's Monday night, it's meant to be shit. That's why he's perfect. Yeah, in a, in a <laughs> nutshell. In a nutshell. Indeed. And also, I'll tell you one thing that uh, Tom O'Connor was better at, spinning the fucking wheel... Lionel barely touches the bloody wheel. He, he barely gets the double wheel to spin round once. However, that does bring to my attention that there's one bloke in the audience who's double. clearly trying to... Exactly that. He's clearly trying to, to... To pump up, to really wrench out of people's seats the tension, the excitement, the joy of this. And he's doing it on his own. Oh, God he really away. is. And I can't help wondering if it's Lucille Ball from Salford's other half. So then we're off during this first round. Peter is on fire. Isn't he? As Isn't are he? his teeth. As are his teeth. He's getting a lot of... I think he's advertising for a dentist and he's clearly got his his, his first pair of clacker choppers, his, you know, his first pair of, de- pair of dentures. So he's going to show those bloody things off every time there's a little crawl close-up when he wins a point. He's like, you know, we haven't really actually... touched on Peter yet. Peter is from Whitley Bay. He is. He's from Whitley Bay, and he's wearing yep. a fawn suit, which is a thing of bland conformist beauty. Yeah, he's it another is. guy it who is. he has to keep moving because he's so dull that if he stands still, your brain can't see him. But however, the, there's this spooky little noise that's made when they spin the wheel. <laughs> Precisely that. And Best you know, I could do. it's like they clearly have a disc of effects that claim to be something to do with time. They've they've got um, a clock ticking that sounds like a bloke on a mic going pack pock pack pock oh, pack pock. I thought that was just someone in the next room with fucking a dining table and two ball hammers. <laughs> it's a horse on the dance floor for the Wayne Sleep Show trying to avoid, avoid landmines. Right. That's what that is. <laughs> now I love the the electric effects, the clock, the buzzer. This buzzer, is it somebody standing in another room, in, actually in another country, with a, a, a industrial foghorn? <laughs> yes. This is just full, isn't it? This, this whole programme is just full of stuff. It is. Everything is on 10. 20. <laughs> actually, 45, because I reckon that each half of this programme is 45 minutes, but your brain tells you it's actually only 12. Now, I was trying to keep a note as we went through all the various rounds and the questions here. I was trying to keep a note of what the answers are, sort of for each one, because obviously I'm sitting there, I'm playing along at home. I, I'm yeah. fucking loving this. I am invested. We ha- r- listener, we have not discussed this before we started recording. I will put fucking money down that only one of us in this room this evening knew any of these fucking tunes. I'll put some money down. Well, I, I knew some of them oh, okay, throughout right. the show. I, okay. I, I, I did know some of them. However, that was going to be my Aussie next point. On. Otherwise, we'd have finished this review 15 minutes ago. 
Well, see, because Peter, in round one, the reason that he is loving it is because he knows all of these songs from the 19th century. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the 19th century and the 1977 Eurovision Song Contest. Yes, very well, astute, yes, Doctor. Yes, very yes. astute. <laughs> ah, but you said you knew some. I have to confess, there was one song, one song in the whole evening that I didn't actually know. Okay. I'm going to guess... I'm, can I, can, I'm, I don't want you to tell us what it is, but I'm going to I'm going to guess that it's the final song. No, I knew that one. Oh, okay, fair. fair. I knew that one. All right. Um, okay. Now the thing is, I can't help getting the feeling that Maggie's not on for very long in the show because she's standing in the corner having a tab with a with those trousers open with a gut hanging over the top of it, just like. <laughs> Is this all you could fucking give us for this show? I would rather have had Alan Braden's tie and nout else. Lionel Blair is leaning over between takes going, you're getting paid, shut up. <laughs> exactly. To be fair, though, she's got a lot to put up with because just as she's come off from... Because we're now into the sing-a-tune round, yes. which is Maggie singing a tune. Yes. And in between songs, she's been hankered completely by Tweaky, pulling at her legs <laughs> and going, we need to be on a starfighter here, mind. We've got things to do. So yes. bless the woman. She's got a lot to contend with. But yes, the sing-around in which Maggie... We'll sing a little bit of a song. And, of course, they've got to name that tune. Yeah. Maggie's going for it here. You know what? Between her green top that she's got on and this mm. luxuriant red mane flowing out uh-huh. above and behind her, uh-huh. she seems to be channeling Blanca from Street Fighter 2. <laughs> and I've got to say, during this round, Peter, he gets very fucking animated watching Maggie Moon, doesn't he? Oh, he does. Absolutely. I mean, you know what? Fair play. She's a good-looking woman. But calm down, Peter. You're on telly, mate. When he talks, you can hear every fucking smack of his lips and heavy breath. It's terrifying. I thought he did his best mates with David Prowse. <laughs> the breathing on the mic. Yeah, yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> By the way, incidentally, bit of TV trivia. Um, Peter uh, from Whitley Bay, as we know, is the reason that Supergran was chosen to be filmed in that location. Right. They wanted more people of his calibre. Um, just putting that out there. I have to say one more small detail. More fucking now. One small detail. Um, I'm loving the fact that uh, Ronnie Price has a beautiful gold bracelet on his hand, which is actually his prison bracelet that led him out for the day. So I think that's really charming. Nice. It's nice. Maggie Moon's bracelet is round her ankle. Um. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what that's the buzzer. <laughs> so, so we finish Sing a Tune. And things are things are tensing up. Things are tensing yeah, up now. Now are. here's one. Here's one. Here's one of the hardest parts of the game. Bidder note. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's not a character from Star Wars. This is a round, and I always thought this was rock back in the day. This is it. This Bidder is note. the absolute fucking crux of this show. You ask anyone. It really you is. ask anyone about the industry. This is what everyone remembers. Yep. They're yeah, given a clue. Whoever's go is they're, they're given a clue, and then they're told. On the basis of the few words, the the scant and cryptic information that I have just furnished you about the title of this song, how how, how many notes do you think you'd be able to name that tune in? That this fucking this is where the name comes from. Yeah, hi. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And good lord, they're up for it. These two aren't they? Oh yeah. Aren't they just? The eyes just... are locked at this point. The eyes are locked. The fucking dentures are waiting to be interlocked it's going to be a hell of an after show party <laughs> they both I'll name that tune in one will I mean, you darling this is the thing it's like you know the the clues are the clues they're supposed to be helpful but it's not like 321 or whatever but the pair of them just not fucking bidding one note the idea is one of them should come in as they do with the first go well look, I'll 
I'll name that tune in seven. Then the other one's like, yeah, fuck you, pal. I'll name that tune in six. And you get a bit yeah. of drama that way. No, 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 they're just straight in one. One, Lionel. Play the fucking yeah. one. I fucking know it. As a result, the the next series, they actually used to take uh, pieces of plain chant from the 13th century, and that's what they had to name. <laughs> yes. The first time one of these does say, I'll name that tune in one, yeah. someone in that audience is having a coronary. <gasps> they can't believe exactly. their ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've turned up for entertainment, not drama. They cannot believe their, their ears. I think Gene... Guesses in one note first, and then Peter. There's hell on here. Yeah, there is. <laughs> you see, Monday night was me and me dad's night because me mum went out to the bingo, and we'd watch him that tune between the two of us, and we kind of about get through all the songs. Yeah. Then the Scrabble mm. board would come out, um, and my dad's version of playing Scrabble was not what one would call the correct version of playing Scrabble. <laughs> my dad would take his seven tiles out and he'd put them on his little um, display board and then he'd pick up one tile and he'd put it on the middle square of the board and go, right. <laughs> Amazing. So that's, you had somebody who had a catalogue of songs locked in his mind that he could identify in one note, even if the thick buggers on the programme couldn't. But he couldn't understand that you actually have to make a word on Scrabble in order to <laughs> progress the game. He just get the first tile. I like it here. I'm going right. Well, see, you you put the tile down. And you go. That's a Scrabble. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> For fifty pounds, name that word. Exactly. I mean, what? Anyway, we've had bidder tune, which provoked, which produced. Um, the famous catchphrase that everybody who remembers the show uses still. I'll name that tune in one. Yes. Usually yep. used after some mild erectation in a pub toilet. Except Jean. Oh, catastrophe for Jean. She couldn't. Uh huh. Oh, Jean, Jean, Jean. We've got the tension. But we have also got one little factor here, which is she gave the answer to a song based on the notes she heard, and she could have been correct. She could have been correct with that song because it was absolutely right. See, again, this is this 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 is why we ask you here because we you, we know you will watch this and just go, yeah, no, that arrangement would work for that. That's that's kind of fine. It, technically, it might not be what's written on the card, but it is right. Give her the point. I'll tell you how revered this is. The Thames Television Archive of Music is currently stored in the vaults of the Royal College of Music and all of these pieces, all of this stuff, all of this shizzle will be sitting in library bags in the basement in the Royal College of Music. Just putting that thought out there. Listener, one of you works there. Off you go. Have a look. Off you go, go and have a yeah. look. I can even tell yeah. you which shelf it's on, apparently. <laughs> Now, we have to progress this. Fauna tune. Otherwise Fauna known tune. as never, ever, ever work with children, animals or British telecom. I love this. The, the idea for Fauna tune is that the orchestra on the other side of the room <laughs> plays some music for ten seconds and someone has to guess what it is over the phone. I foresee absolutely no problems with shitty phone line audio quality of the 1980s here. <laughs> Correct? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, the feedback is louder than the orchestra. But then at the end, we can't even hear what she's saying. <laughs> well, that's because poor Constance is trying to explain something to him and Lionel is just treading all over her dialogue. Yep, yep. 
won't, won't let her get a word in. She's trying to explain that someone has broken into her house and is pouring <laughs> petrol over her furniture. But all Lionel wants to know is, name that tune. Do you know that tune? <sighs> nah. So, yeah, Constance feels spectacularly to name a number yep. from West Side Story and gets yep. fuck all. Affectionately known by my father as the Fisherman's Song because it's uh, in brackets after somewhere is there's a place for us. Boom, fucking boom. <laughs> Peter Storman ahead doing Whitley Bay proud. Uh-huh. You know, yes, he is. I mean, uh, you, you want to stand up and salute the Spanish city because that's about all you can do with it now. However, um, Gene wins with a flashing caption, £300 and a plaque. A plaque that actually doesn't seem to make... And it's got name that tune on it because why would it have any fucking thing else on it? They made them all at the start. That's why it's not going to be remotely personalised. That's, right. that's you know. That's, I suspected I that it was going to have fine. Alan Braden's phone number on it. <laughs> it's also because when she's on her way out of the building, they ask her back. Yeah, largely <laughs> yeah. because she's got a DNA all over it. And as she leaves, she says, "Good night and good luck, Peter." So from the eyes locking and the ambitions of America, oh yeah. I know where this oh, yeah. is going now. Fair, fair. I know that. Unfortunately, it's going to fucking Kaluki singing that well-known up-tempo, high-octane high tune, We've Only Just Begun. Before Kaluki even come on, Jean goes off with £300. She's lost. £300, not bad, you know, for that day and age. And um, Lionel's like, oh, this is Lulu, who's our hostess here? Lionel, do you not think it might have been an idea to introduce your assistant 18 fucking minutes ago when the programme started? And that woman is probably a PA to the head of light entertainment. Nothing out to do with oh, the yeah, show. Yeah, it's just, know. oh, we need somebody to lob out all the all the shizzle. Yes. Will you do it? I go on. <laughs> so, so having had the high tension of the golden medley round in which, yes, Jean has lost, sadly. Indeed. Jean has lost. Off she goes. We are reunited with Kaluki, as you correctly say. Kaluki. Just to bring the pace crashing the fuck back down because everyone was enjoying themselves a bit too much. Uh, the Earthsats Manhattan Transfer or Singers Unlimited and are they going to a funeral? We get a quartet who seem to be singing in four different keys at once. It's outstanding. <laughs> it's outstanding. This is Hotel Lobby Muzak live. Yes. Ozzy, what kind of arrangement is this? Fucking because dreadful. God Almighty. I'll tell you what it is. So, there was a group in the 70s called Singers Unlimited, um, the lead singer of which went off to help form Manhattan Transfer. And so it's sort of... It's a throwback to the 40s, 50s, close harmony group thing, Mm -hmm. but singing uh, more middle-of-the-road music. And so... Essentially, it's quite a basic, easy filler. The, the skill is standing next to somebody and singing harmony that bears no fucking resemblance to what you're singing. None whatsoever. So it's kind of keeping it in check and keeping it focused and looking forward and smiling rictus because, I mean, they couldn't have made it more obvious who when they all take a line each in the middle eight and you spot the one immediately, and you know from watching it from the start of that show, you're going to sing flat. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, mm-hmm. the moment the camera gets her, she also happens to be in the two-shot vignette on the left-hand side of the picture. So I'm just waiting, I'm counting it down, and there she goes, and couldn't carry, <laughs> couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, swings like a statue's dick, and then we move on to the bloke in the, uh, uh, in the, in the tux. 
He failed the audition for Joey Boswell in TV's Bread. <laughs> no, he failed, he failed the audition for Lipstick on the Little and Large show. Right. So, we were calmed down after this performance. Yes. Boy, are we. Oh, yes. And we're ready. We're ready for the very officious final. The final of the show. It's like... The secret plans for a nuclear power plant yeah. have been given to Lionel and it's all about clandestine envelopes and all the rest of it. Indeed. We, we, we spend two solid minutes talking about the rules and Peter's breathing... Seriously. ...has gone up. It's, yeah. I think Peter's breathing has gone up because Lionel had to go to Geordie accent. Can we have a quick clip of his cultural appropriation? Why are you, man? Your boat's Why coming. Why man? <laughs> yes. Why I man... Your boats come in. Yeah, that is Lionel. Fuck, fucking mortifying. And yeah. yet, I mean, away the lads. And yet, Blair still sounds more naturalistic than any of the cast of Supergrand. It's very true. Know what I mean? Aye, that's all right, Tub. And then, tub. then, Lulu's back. She comes clattering over the fucking soundstage wearing clogs as if all of the audio has been recorded by a single condenser mic underneath the floorboards. No, yep. the single condenser mic is still off odd one out at the BBC <laughs> 20 miles away across town. <laughs> now, Ronnie Price, a genial, lovely man, a very, very fine pianist, had a long, extensive career, worked with the royalty... Well, he was the royalty of British jazz... And I wonder if he really thought at this point his career had absolutely troughed that he gets an envelope from a woman wearing red and clogs um, with a piece of music with the title blacked out and he looks at it and goes, oh, that's fucking Blue Star, I know this. Oh, shit. <laughs> right, start the show again from the top, get another envelope, that's it. No more bands, Either that's that, it. Or, he, or he'll tell him then and he'll go, why isn't the title on this? It said Blue Star rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, of course, he knows the title, but he's trying to hold it in because he needs to have that seven seconds. What's the thing? Is this what the song Seven Seconds Away came from um, later on in the century? Because I thought, seven seconds? Have they? Has, that's a committee. It's like, what, ten seconds? No, I've got time for ten seconds. Well, eight seconds, then. No, seven's lucky. They go, you get some thinking time after you've heard the music. But, again, it's like, that thinking time is going to be soundtracked by that clock ticking, which means you will not be able to concentrate on anything else. Yep, that horse dancing on the table next door whilst the bloke goes pack pock, pack pock, pack pock, and you will give me an answer, and your first answer, as approved by the Performing Rights Society. And That's if it them. doesn't say exactly what's on my card, with punctuation, you fucking leave this studio and the band kick the shit out of you in the car park. Oh, God bless. Mind you. Yeah. When we're waiting for that moment for him to reveal whether or not he knows the answer, I've got the diarrhoea at this point. I'm on the edge of me bar stool. I really am. Well, this is because Coronation Street's about to start. I'm not surprised. But also well, the fact that he's trying to keep his teeth hidden because he knows exactly what the title is. And Lionel almost gives it away when he gets him out the booth and says, tell me that title again, Blue Star. And, you know, it's like put the car keys in the envelope because that's a great idea. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Peter wins what the nobody car. knows is it's actually Alan Braden's car. <laughs> well, this is the thing. It's like Peter wins the car, this mini metro. He gets bundled into that bastard so quickly, you think that Lionel had just found out it's stolen. The show ends literally a second and a half later. There is no wind down with this. Get in the car, fuck off home. It's high energy all the way. It's high energy all the way, this. It's absolutely knackering. The gentlemen, the whole thing, you know, 
you know, it's a music quiz, and it's very important that it's known that it's a music quiz. So why don't you? Why don't we make the top prize a car? Yeah, you know. <laughs> why don't we make it a grand piano? Why don't we make it? You know, I don't know. Because who can fit that in their house? You madman! He comes from Whitley Bay. He'll have a fucking fourth-story terrace on the front. True. Make it a fucking True, holiday out to Broadway. That way, one of the pair that want to go to America might get the chance to go to America. Instead of just here, right. here's a car. It'll drive you to the airport while you're fulfilling your ambition. Cue the sig <laughs> tune. Cue the sig tune. Off we go. And I remember oh. in later series they used to put the sig tune in manuscript along the top whilst the credits rolled. Right. I thought this was the work of genius mm-hmm. um, because for a start I realised it was in two and not in four. But the fact is, it was just it was must watch viewing for me. It was because so I, like it. I love the idea. It's like subtitles for smart asses. Uh, it is time for pegs on the line. I'm going to ask you straight away, Mr. Bognops, how many pegs will you stick on Alan Braden's baton? Eight and a half. Wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I take the Go half. On, I take the half peg off for the clunky, um, repeated explanations of the rules. But that's mm. all. It's wholesome entertainment, and I love it. Fair, fair. absolutely Blackout. fair. Um. I love this format anyway. I love the pacing of this episode. I mm-hmm. love how much the contestants both fancy and despise each other. But I don't think Blair's right for this, and quite frankly, he's failing to control a game show in a built-up schedule. Five out of nine. <gasps> okay, okay. Fair. Come on, bring us back up. I certainly will. Nine. Hey! Boom, boom. Alright. There we go. Does what it says on the tin. A miserable this is bastard highly, blackout. This is highly entertaining on level twenty, and I could watch episodes of this until my telly melts. I am waiting Rig for it. the box set. Damn right. But the question, Blackout, written on the sheet music of every member of Alan Braden's orchestra is How many members of Kaluki can you step over to get to the mountain? It's the end of term. I'm not fucking about one. Oh, Ooh. Lionel Blair displayed his testimonials in the Chili Bushier episode of This Is Your Life with Peggy Mann. I give you my solemn oath. Simple, effective, <laughs> just perfect. Mr. Bognops. Also one. Ooh. <gasps> Count Lionel Blair shortened his rectangles in a 1975 outing of the Celebrity Squares in the company of... Peggy Mount. Hello, dear. All good, all good. That leaves you, Dr Velvet. Bring us home. I'll step up that mountain in one. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Supreme Leader Lionel Blair exposed his improvisationals in 1972's All-Star Comedy Carnival alongside... Peggy Mount. I'm not cross. I'm just curious. It's just a work of art, gentlemen. It is. A work of art. Flawless. Yeah. And that wraps that up quite, quite nicely, I think. Um, But not quite. Because now, of course, it is the final question of our Peggy Mount Calamity Hour competition. 
So by now you should have 19 answers. All written on your answer sheet. Here is the final question. The first time one of the contestants had to name that tune in one, which note was played? Fucking genius. What a question. There you go. So write that answer on your answer sheet. That is the final answer. And here's what you need to do with them all. Now, I know you're expecting the answer, shove it up your arse, but it's not. (laughs) (laughs) So make sure your answers are on the official Peggy Mount Calamity Hour answer sheet, downloadable as a PDF from PeggyBoundPod.com. Incidentally, I do like how at the start of the series we were telling people it could be written on anything, but saying there was an answer sheet. Now it's, you have to use the answer sheet. For clarity, you have to use the answer sheet. (laughs) Things change. People have been posting on the socials their entries before the series is even over. It's fucking insanity. And somebody's just written spatula against all 20 lines. I mean, you can't have that. (laughs) Right? Once your answer sheet is printed out and filled in, then stick it to your fridge or toilet wall... Take a picture. And then send that picture to PeggyMountPod at gmail.com. Just to that address, not the Twitters, not the Instagrams, nothing else. PeggyMountPod at gmail.com. Subject line, I know the lot. And those must reach us, this is important, those must reach us no later than September the 31st. Whilst you absorb that tidal wave of instruction... (laughs) Blackout's got your socials. Yes, thank you once again for spending this time here with us. We really do appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch to tell us how brilliant we are, you can email PeggyMountPod at gmail.com, as well as emailing your answers over there. We are PeggyMountPod on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. Come and say hello. We're very friendly. Five-star ratings and reviews are always welcome on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to us that allow such things. And please don't forget to go to PeggyMountPod.com to check out the show notes for this and for all... Underline the word all of our other episodes. I mean, it's as simple as that. It really, really is. Thanks once again for the appearance of Mr. Ozzy Bognops. Yes. Thank you very much. Even when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? All that remains to, to be said is that we're off to take a well-earned summer break by working together on a little project in Bridlington, bringing the soundtrack to the sitcom Constant Hot Water back to life via live orchestrated performances in the town centre. Maybe we'll see you. We will, of course, return via numerous specials from now until the end of the year. Good luck with the competition, and thanks for listening. And until next time... Keep Keep I'll name that tune in one. The Peggy Mount Calamity Hour is a free podcast from iCall Media which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments from television programmes are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyMountPod.com. Peggy Mount Pod.com.